Welcome in to another edition of Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. With Marin Angus Combs, the Hale Varsity softball writer. I'm Nate Rohr, the play-by-play voice of Nebraska softball on the radio. And we're chatting about all things Big Ten, all things Nebraska softball. The Huskers had a terrific weekend last weekend. They swept Indiana and solidified their standing in the conference and even their NCAA regional bid, just a huge series for Nebraska. And to go out there and to sweep an Indiana team that was just coming off uh, a 23-game winning streak, huge for the Huskers, huge for their confidence, and helps build their resume. Yeah, I've been so excited to record this podcast (laughs) this week because – I was just so impressed with Nebraska over the weekend. And I know I I texted a couple people during the games. I was like, are you watching this? Like, what <laughs> is this? That was a Husker team that just looked dominant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely looked complete. Uh, and, and you look back at the scores, you have the 12-2 run rule game Friday. Eight to six, the Huskers win something of a shootout Saturday game one. And then they win more of a pitcher's duel four to two game two Saturday. So the ability to win games in different ways. And this team has shown that, by the way, uh, where where the pitching carried them the first couple of weeks of the year. Then the offense kind of took the mantle. But to flip back and forth in the space of a weekend, that that's encouraging for this team that you know if the offense is slumping a little bit the pitchers can carry the load and uh, if the pitchers are facing a really good offense the uh, you know the Husker offense can step up and answer so lots of good things out of this weekend I'll start with the starts Nebraska first inning Friday night three runs first inning uh, Saturday game one four runs uh, first inning, Saturday game two, two runs. Crooked number on the scoreboard as the visiting team to where the other team doesn't even get to come to the plate with an even score. That's huge. Yeah, playing from behind, especially in the first inning, is very difficult, and, and it puts a lot of pressure on the offense. Mm-hmm. And for the Nebraska offense to just go out and, and get the job done, I think before that series, one of the things I wrote about was that they needed to score early and score often because the Indiana offense had been so potent and they had been scoring in a lot of innings, putting up a lot of crooked numbers. But when you're playing from behind that, it makes it tougher. You know what else it does? It turns off your running game because you're afraid to take the chance because you're already down two runs a stolen base doesn't do you near as much good if you're down two nothing four nothing whatever as opposed to zero zero or even down one nothing because of course if you steal a base you're in scoring position one hit scores you but the fact that nebraska jumped on them early really turned off Indiana's run game. They still ran some. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had Shonda Stanton on this podcast last week, and she talked about how she was being less aggressive than her norm. They still ran the bases really aggressively, but the fact that they were not able to steal bases, the fact that Nebraska, when they did steal, did a fairly good job of keeping them in check. Ava Breadwell threw out a couple of runners. You know, I think that was 
about as encouraging as anything, the fact that Nebraska was able to hold their run game in check and really take it away from them. Yeah, and that's that's the MO, right, for, for mm-hmm. a Shauna Stanton coach team is run. Take if you if you're given one base, take two. And and for them to hold them, you know, Indiana, they they score runs. They they manufacture them however they can, right? Mm-hmm. They you move the runner, you put it on a hit and run, do whatever you can to put that defense in motion. But when you keep them off the bases, yeah, can't steal first. You can't steal exactly. You can't steal first. Yeah, it, it, it was big. And you know, the other part was even though Indiana scored some, you know, they they did put up two runs on Friday. Um, and then Saturday, they really fought in in that uh, in that first game, the eight six loss. The Huskers came into the weekend, I think, with the knowledge that this was a really good Indiana team on the offensive side. They were gonna score some runs. The Husker pitching staff did fairly well to limit them, but Indiana still got theirs. What was the most important was the fact that then the Nebraska offense answered back. I mean, you look back on the on the Friday night game, and it was 3-2 after one inning. So maybe a, as a Nebraska team, you're sitting there worried, well, they, they're climbing back into it. Momentum's on their side. And then you put up a four spot, and you knock their starter out of the game. And then the lightning delay happens. And, and I was a little worried the lightning delay came at the absolute worst time uh, as Nebraska had scored four runs, my worry was Indiana would go back to the locker room, make some adjustments, talk over what they had seen in the early going out of Courtney Wallace. Instead, Courtney gets into a jam in the bottom of the second inning. She walks uh, Kinsey Mitchell, very good number eight hitter. And then uh, Brooke Benson hits into a fielder's choice where no out was recorded. And the game kind of hung there. But then Wallace faces that potent top of the order. Gets a ground ball from Cora Bassett. Gets the strikeout of Taryn Kern, the presumptive Big Ten player of the year. And then a ground out by Taylor Minnick. And, you know, with due respect, yes, there were three more innings. But I, I think Indiana was done at that moment. And it was because Nebraska was able to seize momentum. Yeah. And they held Indiana to two hits. Yeah. All game. Yep. I mean, it- Granted, it it turned into a run rule right. ending. But the other thing that stood out to me is Copeland. They got to Copeland. Mm-hmm. And Copeland came into that game with a 15-1 and record. Yep. I mean, she had been cruising through yeah. this season. And Nebraska, it almost seemed like whatever film session they had, Mm-hmm. whatever scouting report they had been studying for Copeland, they just, they figured her out. They were right on it. And I, I know this team and this coaching staff works very hard uh, in terms of trying to scout opponents effectively, trying to have a really good idea of the other team's plan, uh, try and figure out the other pitchers. It's one thing to scout ex- extensively and to know it. It's another to put that into practice. And we talked on this podcast a couple of weeks before about how Nebraska had struggled with change-ups and, and, you know, especially in the Maryland series, that was a real point of conversation. How was this team going to deal with the change-up? And they were able to adjust to it game three. And you wonder if maybe that empowered them a little bit 
in this Indiana series to go, hey, this information is good. This information can help me because sometimes you will see it where a player has information, they know something, and it slows them down. You know, they, yeah. the, the old adage really in any sport is a thinking player is a slow player. And, and of course, hitting, you've got to be quick. But uh, it seemed like Nebraska had a very good idea on Copeland, had a really good idea on Johnson, uh, and then from there was able to dictate the terms of the rest of the series. Yeah, the, the Huskers cranked out nine hits in an inning and two-thirds mm -hmm. against Copeland with seven earned runs. Yeah. That's her worst start of the year by far. And right. – I think getting that kind of start in a series against a team that was ranked yep. in the top 25, no matter what set of rankings you looked at, they were there to get that kind of start. Oh my gosh. That set the tone for the whole weekend. And it also kept doubted Indiana's mind. And I was curious how Indiana would respond after their 23 game winning streak ended, because, you know, we saw it last year from Nebraska when they won 18 in a row uh, and, and it kind of gets glossed over because the Huskers go from winning 18 in a row through the first month or so of the conference season. And then they win the big 10 tournament. What people forget and what I sometimes forget when I contemplate last year is that right after that winning streak, they go up to Wisconsin and lose two of three. They go out to Ohio State and lose two of three. They lose to Indiana on Friday night, the final uh, weekend of the regular season. So, so often when a team's winning streak ends, it's like the it, the randomness of softball, mm -hmm. the 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 momentum that you had almost works against you. Against you, it's yeah. almost like it all hits you how tough this game is to play. I think Nebraska caught Indiana at the right time. Now, that's not to say that I, I wouldn't expect Nebraska to beat Indiana uh, in a three-game series if they were playing two weeks from now or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like a team just off of a winning streak, it's very difficult for them. And it takes them a little while to get it going again. And so they lose the series to Minnesota. They lose Wednesday night at Notre Dame. And then they play a Nebraska team that jumps all over them in all three games. And all of a sudden, those doubts that you shoved to the back of your head during the winning streak start popping up again. Yeah. And they didn't just lose to Notre Dame. They they lost nine to one. Yeah. It was not pretty. And I, I watched an interview with Coach Stanton after that game. And she she talked about how she told her team, like, this is what we've been doing to teams all right. year like we don't want to feel this way again <laughs> however when you get routed like that yeah it takes a while to bounce back and if you have a young team they're and they're not used to losing like that it's going to take a minute for them to figure it out and then they get run ruled again in the next game yeah. so it's it, it was definitely um i think a, a learning opportunity for indiana but b for Nebraska, I think what we saw is a team that knew they had to win that series. Right. And they made sure that they did. You know, coming into that six-game stretch, the three against Maryland and the three against Indiana, my mindset was, all right, let's get three wins because you've got two good teams there. Mm -hmm. So so you split 
basically you split the six game series. And I mean, Maryland, Maryland and Indiana, I think Indiana is a step better than Maryland, but they're kind of in the same neighborhood, at least is how I see it. So, so my hope was, my expectation was Nebraska splits. My hope was they win four out of six. Well, they beat that. They, they win, they win the series at Maryland and then they sweep Indiana. They win five out of six in that tells me this team's turning a corner a little bit, which is good because we talked about how huge the stretch is for this team coming up, the Wisconsin series coming up this weekend. And then, of course, a huge three-game series out at Northwestern before the Huskers close the regular season against Ohio State. But it just feels to me, Marin, and, and maybe you can check me on this. I mean, I'm, I may, I've, I've been known to drink the Husker Kool-Aid in my lifetime. <laughs> But it, it just feels like this team has turned a corner, has kind of figured itself out, and and is finding a way to finish this year strong and position themselves well, not only to get into regionals, but hopefully to get a little more favorable draw. Yeah, I I would say after this weekend, I definitely feel better about mm-hmm. the next the the Ohio State series and the Northwestern series. Right because those are the two teams right now in the conference that are ahead of Nebraska in the RPI. And when you, when it comes time for the committee to look at everything, the RPI, the strength Mm -hmm. of schedule, the, all of the things, um, Nebraska right now is most likely sitting in a two seed in Norman (laughs) and, that's not favorable. I, I no. think we texted after after the series and I was like, did I don't know. Did they play themselves into like Fayetteville? Yeah. I, I think that's the most favorable draw potentially that they could get. Right. Um, how likely is it going to happen? Um, I think they have to go win the, the conference. And that's a pretty tall order because, you know, we talk about the Huskers turning a corner. I think Northwestern is locked in yeah. and they're, they're feeling like the, the dominant team of this conference. Um, and, and, you know, they, they are going out and rolling. They beat Wisconsin uh, in the series this last weekend. They sweep Wisconsin, in fact, in a home series. So they are actually in Madison, excuse me. The series was in Madison. So you knock out one of your challengers as Northwestern. Uh, so for Nebraska, the opportunity is there. It's just going to be a real challenge in the cup in the coming weeks. And, you know, that's not to gloss over Wisconsin, which uh, I think is, is a solid team, good offense. They've found some pitching this year. Um, but the next two weeks are really going to test Nebraska and, you know, we'll, we'll see where they are in the conference after those two weeks. I, you know, you talk about where is this team going and uh, you, you mentioned Fayetteville as a possibility going to regionals at Fayetteville as the two and uh, folks have some acquaintance with this, I think, whether with softball, volleyball, whatever, but the NCAA in how they seed regionals for softball, they, they seed, the, the top 16, the selection committee makes decisions, but it's more or less RPI. Yeah. Uh, there, there are little adjustments here or there, sometimes for 
facilitating the bracket. Sometimes maybe a team is getting hot at the end of the year and they get a spot or two bump. But for the most part, the top 16, it, the RPI is pretty directly transferred more or less. From there, the committee picks out their at-large teams, and I believe the number is 30. There are 32 at-larges and 32 automatic bids. And I, I might be I, – I think both numbers are in the 30s. But at any rate, <laughs> I we'll have that number for you next week. But at <laughs> any rate, uh, they, they select their teams, but how they seed them out very often is by geography and the NCAA the rule is you can bus to a regional site if it is within 450 miles of you yeah so for Nebraska those regional sites or at least you know among the teams that we expect to be in regionals would be Oklahoma obviously Oklahoma State the Huskers bus down there last year and then Arkansas and as things set up right now, as we check out the RPI uh, at this moment, the Huskers are sitting 31st in the RPI. So if you just use the RPI to seed out regionals, Nebraska would be a two seed. <clears throat> excuse go. me, a two seed um, in the number two regional. So you could sit there as the NCAA and say, well. By your RPI, you should be the number two seed in the in the second toughest regional. Yeah, we're we're not being that penalizing to you, uh, that punitive to you, if we put you in the top regional in Norman. Yeah, and, and and oh by the way, you can take the bus trip there. Right. And there's the storyline of of Jordy Ball, the Nebraska native, being mm -hmm. one of the Sooners' top pitchers. You have the historic rivalry in softball as well as football between Nebraska and Oklahoma. You have the final regional at Marita Hines Field, which would be very interesting for Nebraska to participate in. The Huskers are going to have to do some work to, to get out of that date because I feel like that lines up pretty well. Yeah. Uh, that, that, there, there's a lot there that the NCAA would like to put on a promo. Yeah. And as I'm looking at our PI right now, all right. So the three, those are the three host sites. They're mm -hmm. pretty much a lock, I would say, to host a regional. Yes. Arkansas will be in the lower half. And as of right now, Arkansas's RPI is 16. So we're potentially looking at them being the last national seed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Central Arkansas is really good this year beat arkansas beat arkansas fact. twice and as it is sitting at number 20 and that's so mm. you're gonna say well central arkansas of course they're gonna go play yeah. play play at arkansas that's a given okay well then you got wichita at 21 wichita just finished their two game season sweep of oklahoma state right well it's hard to i mean both of those teams are gonna go back to two two schools that, that they've beaten that they've beaten twice it's hard to beat a team three times true uh but that lines up and then you have nebraska yeah yeah the, and the... so it lines up for nebraska to go to norman and 
honestly, unless there's a, a catastrophe at central Arkansas or Wichita, <laughs> I don't think it's possible for the Huskers to go anywhere except Norman. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not quite that sure of it yet, but I, I, if I had to guess right now, Norman sounds very likely. Let, let's put it that way. Um, as we said, the RPI lines up. You can bust Nebraska there. Um, the Huskers would have to play pretty well down the stretch. You know, you might be right. Uh, they might have to win the conference tournament, or they might have to win the regular season yeah. um, over Northwestern to play their way up enough to where they get shipped out somewhere. Yeah. And, and you know, they, there are always possibilities as far as places they could they could send Nebraska. I mean, Washington has happened a couple of times. Um, you know, they've they've gone out to Stanford. Uh, that would make some sense. Uh, but Oklahoma makes more sense right now. Um, but at the same time, you know, Nebraska has ha, has things lined up well to at least finish the season strong. I mean, winning the Big Ten is within reach. They're, they're three games back in Northwestern. Now, boy, they would have to play well in Evanston to, to, to win that series because that's essentially what you would have to do. I mean, nobody is sweeping Northwestern. I, you know, in, in a three-game set, uh, you know, in the Big Ten. No, not so, with who they have left. No. So, so I, you know, if you go up there and win that series and maybe get some help, but, you know, there's no shame in, in, in a second straight, second place finish for this program. Uh, it would show some great progress for this program. Go to regionals for a second straight year. Uh, finish second in the Big Ten to a Northwestern team that's set up, that, that, that had basically its entire core for two years. Uh, I think that would speak pretty well about the program and where it's going after the struggles of the of the late 20 teens uh the fact that they have put it back on track to where they go to regionals back to back years to where you feel like a good chunk of this team is going to be back next year the the trend line is going up for nebraska softball and and i think the indiana series is a big indication of that because you know it's rare that this program has gone on the road and beaten somebody that good and swept them, yeah. you know, and and really dominated the series, as we said. I mean, two, two kind of close wins and then a, a run rule win, but the Huskers dictated the terms of that, that series. So it, it's an exciting point for this program, but they need to keep piling on it. I mean, the Badgers series is important, and Wisconsin's a very interesting case as we, as we talk about NCAA regionals because Wisconsin is down there in RPI. They're 58th in RPI. That's why I can't believe that. And, and, you know, some of that's a function of the difficulties you have in scheduling up in Wisconsin. Some of that's not scheduling tough enough in non-conference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so they're a team that I think is regional quality. But because of that RPI, it's going to be pretty tough to put them into regionals. Yeah. And I think if I look back at my Big Ten bracketology 
that I that we have on Hale Varsity. I had them in the tournament. Mm. Um, I just we talk about teams that make the tournament on on name, right? Yeah. And their and their history, their recent history, and Wisconsin has been a team that has been in the tournament. I think. I think the NCAA probably still likes Kayla Conwent. Yeah. Um, although her numbers haven't. For year eight. Haven't, I know, right? <laughs> that, that, that's an exaggeration, but not by much. Um, I, you know, I, I, I still just, I think they still end up getting in. It's mm. that similar storyline to to Michigan, right? Michigan's yeah. got a high RPI. They have a high strength of schedule. They, but they haven't done all that well. Um, yeah. But as we talk about these things, Northwestern's next series is at Michigan. Yeah. So I feel like if you get some help from the Wolverines, we could be looking at a matchup at, against Northwestern that could be for all the marbles yeah and, and if you're gonna get help it's gonna be there right uh, because uh northwestern concludes the season at rutgers and the scarlet knights had a rough weekend against penn state uh and, and they're coming back to earth a little bit as we said their schedule was pretty easy so maybe the the record's a little little blown up but if nebraska is going to get help in the conference championship race it's going to be uh, from the maize and blue, and that would be that would be kind of apropos, wouldn't it? Because first off, of course, Michigan has dictated the terms of this conference for so many years in mm -hmm. softball. Secondly, uh, I, the low point of the season for me was that Sunday Michigan game, yeah. and, and I just I had my doubts of where was this Nebraska softball team going? Where's the season going? And to their extreme credit. They, they have turned it around since then. I mean, uh, the, the series win at Maryland was the run-up to Indiana, but wouldn't it be something if the team that brought you as low as you've been this year helps you get as high as you can be? Dare to dream. We'll see. Um, I, I know you wanted to chat about the uh, top 25 players uh, for USA Softball Player of the Year. The USA Softball uh, Organization releases – uh, a 25 player finalist list um, at this point in the season, they start with 50, they cut it down to 25. I think they cut it down to 10 uh, right before the NCAA tournament. And then it's down to three, but uh, what, what were your impressions of that list? It always cracks me up sometimes to see what that initial top 50 is. Mm -hmm. And as you go through, you're, you're looking at the names, you're like, huh? Okay. Um, so initially on this top 50 from the conference, you had Danielle Williams and, uh, Danielle Williams, uh, Jordan Rudd, Jordan, the, yes. the uh, catcher for Northwestern and Jordan Rudd. I, as I'm looking through, that's, I mean, that's it to Northwestern, right? Yeah, not, that, that was it on the original 50. Um, so then you, you, now you look at this final 25 and neither of them are there. Yeah. However, Taryn Kern is. 
And, and I find that interesting because Northwestern has dominated the Big Ten Conference this year. Um, you know, Danielle Williams hasn't had quite the year that that she's accustomed to. I mean, 11 and 1 is good, but a 278 ERA, she's giving up a few more runs uh, than she has in her career. Lauren Boyd and Kimmy Henry have pitched pretty well for them. And then as you look at their lineup, it's been solid. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they had Rachel Lewis last year driving the bus for them and putting up big numbers. I still think it's really weird that there's not a Northwestern player on this 25-player finalist list. I mean, not to take anything away from Taryn Kern, okay? She she deserves to be on there. Uh, she's had a tremendous freshman year, and she deserves that recognition. But I, I think it's a pretty big slap in the face to the Big Ten that here is Northwestern, a College World Series team last year, mm-hmm. uh, leading the conference this year, and they don't have a single player on there. Yeah, and, and I don't get it. Like, you know, it, it. Sometimes you see this where a program comes out of nowhere, and they're leading a conference, but you know that they, they're they've been solid. The schedule's kind of cracked in their favor, and, and so it's a surprise run but they're not getting any respect. Northwestern's an established softball program. Like, how don't, I, I find it tough to believe they don't have one of the top 25 softball players in the country. I know. I, when I looked at that initial list, my, my thought was kind of the same thing. That's a slap in the face to the conference. Sure it is. And it just, it plain and simple, it is. Because as we look at some of these names, um, Rachel Becker is on there. She's had a phenomenal season at Oklahoma mm-hmm. State after transferring from Purdue. Um, but you go through, there's a lot, there's a lot of freshmen on here. Sure. And that, and it, it's hard to predict a freshman season. Right. It, plain and simple, especially when you are a freshman in a power five conference, right? Najiri Kennedy is on here, a freshman pitcher from Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's hard to predict, and but to see, but to see Taryn Kern be the only player from the conference get in here, uh, it's it speaks volumes to me. I just I feel like the, the conference itself is gonna have to figure something out. Now, granted, if we look further, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, welcome UCLA, and you have Maya Brady and Megan Faremo and as, right. as finalists. You know, it the conference will continue to have players be nominated for these awards because UCLA will be there, right? And, and UCLA will will never not have. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I say that now uh, that when the when the day comes that UCLA doesn't have a player mm-hmm. nominated for any of these awards, uh, uh, pigs will fly. Yeah, I, I'll give you another name on that list. Lauren Durkowski, she's had a tremendous year for Michigan. I mean, second in the conference, a 160 ERA. Um, She's had a good year against a tough schedule with not much offensive support. And, and, you know, Michigan being a brand name program again. And, and, you know, it's somewhat unfortunate that that matters, right? Mm -hmm. In, In college athletics, that you have to be at a program that has a history, that has a tradition uh, to garner some of this attention. 
But Lauren Durkowski is putting together a very good year this year and, and is not getting the attention she deserves, again, because uh, of the perception that surrounds Big Ten softball. And it's something that this league's going to have to continue to fight, you know, even with UCLA joining. I mean, job one is the rest of the conference has to make it tough on UCLA. Um, and, and I think they'll compete well with them. I mean, UCLA obviously has so many advantages because of their geography, the talent base, the tradition, but I I'll be interested to see how they hold up with the rest of the conference, because I've seen it with Nebraska sports, softball, baseball, football, basketball, whatever. When you change conferences, you don't understand all the stuff that changes for you. When you talk about opponents you haven't seen, travel you haven't dealt with, uh, a redrawing of your recruiting territory and recruiting pipelines, it's a challenge. And so I wonder if that's going to slow UCLA down some. We'll see. And they're positioned well to tackle it. But I, I do think that, that it's going to be a little tougher for them than most people think. And I would also bring up the strength of schedule mm -hmm. because unfortunately, if you were to compare the big 10 to the PAC 12, mm -hmm. the strength of the conference as a whole is not really comparable sometimes. I mean, some years, some years, the, the PAC 12 generally, ha I mean, if they've got the teams in the top 20 and let's top 10, Okay. Right. Sure. Let's go top ten. Right. You're gonna have a, you're gonna have two teams, most likely in the top ten at all times, and then you look at the the Big Ten, and you've got one team ranked in the top twenty five. Yeah, and Northwestern's been in the bottom twenties all year long, and you know, again, some of that is the typical difficulties Big Ten teams face. But I do think that some of that is a product of the perception of the conference too. And it's interesting. So Tony Petiti gets hired uh, as the new Big Ten commissioner. Obviously, it's not first on his radar uh, to build up the bat and ball sports. But I find his background interesting. The fact that he worked at the MLB Network. Clearly, he has an affinity for baseball. And hopefully that dovetails with an affinity for softball. Mm -hmm. Because this league has some value in those baseball and softball programs that I don't think they've tapped into. And I don't believe the conference office has done enough to tap into those. And if they're going to have a, a conference around UCLA softball and even UCLA baseball, which has gone to the college world series and all that recently, you know, you want your the rest of the league to hold up, and, and I'm hopeful that the new commissioner will do that. I think Kevin Warren had maybe a little tiny interest in it, I but I don't know that this conference, the bottom line is the conference has not done enough to build up softball, not showcasing it on the Big Ten Network, not encouraging teams to schedule better. Um, I will say they've coordinated their schedule better. I, you know, the league only getting a couple teams into regionals in 21 in the all Big Ten schedule scared them. Yeah. And to the point where they started scheduling to RPI. And so this league needs to push baseball and softball more because that's 
that's the sport that's out there in March, April, and May. And ideally in February, though I know it's tough for Big Ten schools to acknowledge it when their teams are on the road. Yeah, and and not letting players leave the league. I mean, right. you can't you can't help the the transfer portal, right? It's gonna be there. Kids are gonna transfer. It's kind of the nature of the beast right now. But you know, seeing Alex Giraco mm-hmm. go to Oklahoma, seeing Rachel Becker go to Oklahoma State. Um, those are just two names, right? They're both sure. they're both finalists for Player of the Year. Like, imagine it, what that would do for the conference if they didn't leave. Right. Yeah, you need great talent once you identify it to stay there. And again, I think the league could do more to make Big Ten softball uh, a bigger deal. It's got me very emotional. <laughs> No, I, I kid. I mean, it, th- this has been one of my hobby horses uh, with this conference and and with some schools in it. Now, some schools have done a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Nebraska at the forefront of that. But even like Indiana, I think their facilities are terrific. Uh, and obviously, Shonda Stanton has done a great job in building that program. And there are others, too. You know, Wisconsin with Yvette Healy. They've really turned that program around. But there's more out there, and I hope this league continues to strive for that more because, you know, the, right now, this con what the Big Ten offers to the fan bases is incomplete compared to the SEC and compared to the ACC, and and to just forfeit the the spring part of the conversation with those fan bases, I I think it's a real disservice. I, I have to think about, you know, you mentioned the SEC, the, where I moved here from. Mm-hmm. I've been to just about every SEC softball stadium that there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say stadium because that's what they are. They're not, it's not just a field with <laughs> some, a few chair back seats and some bleachers. Um, they are, they are stadiums. And coming out here, Iowa plays at a city park. Yeah. Uh, now their their field is built up compared to the rest of the it. rest of it. However, it is still a city park. It's a second rate facility that they haven't invested in in twenty years. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know this better than me. Rutgers. Rutgers is terrible. Uh huh. Maryland's is not great. You know, um, so you hope the big television contracts that the big 10 are getting i mean you can only have so many uh guys in, in a little conference room watching film uh for football yeah and now the teams in this league will challenge what that number is well, but it, but yeah. at some point you've got to invest in softball because i think the national picture is so strong for for softball that it behooves the big 10 to go along with it because whether the Big Ten wants to admit it or not, there are a lot of places in this country where softball's the second biggest women's sport behind women's basketball. And and to not fight that fight as the Big Ten conference, the second biggest conference, I, I think's a real disservice. Yeah. And that's how you're gonna attract the players, the athletes. They want to mm-hmm. go where they can be showcased. Right. I mean, you're gonna when you 
when you go on a visit, they're going to show you all the bells and whistles, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to, this is what Saturday football game day looks like. Mm -hmm. And then if you're going to, and then you walk over to your softball stadium and you're like, what the heck? Like, you know, like what, what just happened? Right. Um, you know, and you look, and then you look at programs, you look at a program like Clemson. Yeah. That's the ACC. However, they built it and everyone came. Right. Like, uh, and they're going to, they're going to fight for a spot in Oklahoma city this year. They're going to host a super regional if they play their way through that they will. And you, you have, and you have to look at all the other programs within the big 10 radius yeah i know it's huge but the geographic footprint ge- the you have to look at oklahoma's getting a, a new stadium mm-hmm. oklahoma state is getting a new stadium yep arkansas has one of the most beautiful facilities in the country um i mean i can i can florida go- just invested big in their in their softball stadium i think with some significant yes. renovations mm-hmm. and, and you just go down the list of every single program in that league i mean auburn which has been a middle of the pack sec program their stadium's terrific yeah now tennessee's had a great year but their stadium is terrific and 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 you can fight those battles as the big 10 now you should fight those battles mississippi state Mm -hmm. was almost irrelevant in the sec for i don't know how long and they build a new stadium and they make it all the way to the women's college world series last year right if you invest in the sport, people will watch. Yep. And the numbers don't lie. The numbers are out there. ESPN will post numbers after games. <laughs> like, but yeah, the they're, other, they're pretty excited yeah, about them. The other thing that ESPN does is if you don't have the facility that can host ESPN commentators or cameras or any mm-hmm. of that, you're not going to be on a prime time slot. It's, it's not going to happen. So unless... The Big Ten can figure it out across the board. They're never going to find themselves on a primetime ESPN game. Mm-hmm. And they will continue to be on the Big Ten network. I mean, I don't have cable. I'm, I'm gonna, I I have a streaming service that I, does have the Big Ten network. but I have Big Ten Plus. Sure. I can't watch the Big Ten network, though. <laughs> and that's, if, that's that, another silly thing. Isn't that weird? Yes, it that is. I can watch every game that's Big Ten Plus, but if it's on the Big Ten Network, I can't watch it. Right. It, one other thought: it'll be interesting to see how this league deals with the fact that they have that they're not doing football business with ESPN, because the fact that they don't have a football TV contract with ESPN, I don't know that that precludes you know any of the Olympic sports being on, but it sure makes it less likely, and. Unfortunately, ESPN still dominates the college sports conversation, whereas Fox has dipped their toe in the water. They, you know, they'll show series. They showed the Nebraska Michigan State series or the Nebraska Michigan series last year uh, from Ann Arbor, but I don't know that there's been the real commitment from Fox and from you know FS1, FS2 to put games where people can see them on a consistent basis and give them a consistent home. And that could be a detriment to Big Ten teams moving forward. I thought for sure uh, that I would be able to watch a game on the Fox Sports app 
mm-hmm. that was on the Big Ten Network. And I go on my Fox Sports app to see what's streaming live. Softball is not an option. Oh, boy. Now, if there's a football game on the Big Ten Network, I would probably be able to watch it. Yeah. It, it, it's just it, it's how the league deals with softball and how it prioritizes it. And I guess I would challenge the league to make it a greater priority moving forward. Same. I could go on this rant forever. <laughs> I've done this for a while. <laughs> you know, I, I have ranted in this way for a while. Speaking of the Big Ten, we want the Big Ten to have more power. Let us share our Big Ten power rankings with you, the listener. And uh, Marin, you can lead us off with your top three. I think, I think our top three are the same. Okay. Okay. Northwestern, Nebraska, Michigan. Yes. In that order. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I Michigan's figured it out. They, they've settled back in whatever concerns you might've had about uh, the coaching change to Bonnie Thaw. Uh, she's, she's answered them. It's awfully easy to answer them when you've got a pitcher like Lauren Durkowski. Right. But, 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 you know, she's stabilized that thing and they had a really tough schedule this year. So I, I, I was a little concerned about Michigan's record, but you know, just watching the games between Nebraska and Michigan uh, at Bowling a couple weeks ago it, and, and watching the results moving forward, it told me this is a Michigan team basically in the same neighborhood. So I'm with you. Northwestern's a cut above right now. Nebraska's the the closest challenger and Michigan's right there too. Uh, so those are our top three. Let's uh, round out the top uh, half, if you would. This is where ours are going to be very different. I, okay. I have this. I have an inkling. Um, Indiana at four, Wisconsin five. Mm-hmm. I still love Iowa. <laughs> I can't do it. I never can. <laughs> I still love Iowa. I, I, you know what? They they've put together a nice year. Um, I. I know there's there is no hope for Iowa to make the postseason right. unless they win the tournament. But all right, Iowa, Maryland, they're kind of on the same page with me, and then that gets me down to seven. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, so my so I just flipped four and five. Okay, Wisconsin four, Indiana five. Um, you know, Wisconsin has found a way to win other than the Northwestern series. And again, not many teams are beating Northwestern, uh, Indiana, the big trouble I have with them. And I, I got a little better look at this, uh, during the Nebraska series. I don't know if they're very good at preventing runs. I mean, it, yeah. the, the, between the pitching staff and, and maybe it was just, the Huskers had Copeland figured out and, and the, the Husker bats were red hot and took care of her, but between Copeland struggling and then defensively, I don't think they're, they're the strongest team in that respect. Those two te- those two aspects really trouble me. If, if you can't pitch it and you can't catch it, especially in postseason where it's a whole lot tougher to hit it. I, I just, I'm not feeling Indiana's long-term prospects. So I've got IU at five behind Wisconsin, even though that's not how the conference standings are. Ohio State six. 
you know, we've talked about Ohio State. Just they're solid. They're decent. They can't take that next step, but they they've got plenty of material uh, to where to where they're going to be there. They're probably going to be a regional team again, but but they're not in that upper crust of the Big Ten conference. So uh, I've got them six. And then I have the Iowa Hawkeyes seventh. And, and like I said, there's a lot that's strong with the Hawkeyes. Yeah. Uh, I love their pitching staff. I think that pitching staff, something they can build on. And the lineup's okay. It's not great, but it's okay. So, all right. Those are our top halves. Can you uh, take us eight through 11? Let's go eight through 11. All right. See, this is where Ohio State enters for me. It's mm. it's funny that I have Ohio State and Minnesota here yeah. because these two teams are in the conversation for regionals. Yeah. It And we have them in this area right now. Mm-hmm. It could change. It probably will change yeah. because it changes every week. So Ohio State, Minnesota, Penn State. Penn State had a really nice weekend, didn't they? They did. They 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 took it to Rutgers. And that pitching staff that I've been hyping, that I've been touting, by God, they finally came through for me. I, <laughs> I, I, I've worn a little egg on my face on the Nittany Lions. So Penn State I have at 10, and then Rutgers at 11. Mm, okay. So Minnesota's eight for me. Like their lineup, still not entirely sold on their pitching staff. I love Penn State's pitching. They're at nine. I've got Rutgers ahead of Penn State. And I don't I don't know that I feel good about it, but I also I'm not gonna hold last weekend entirely against Rutgers, but that's pretty, you know, 10 and 11 are are very close right now. I, I agree with that. Pretty interchangeable. So Penn State's my eleven. Rutgers is my 10, but Rutgers is going to have to do something this weekend to hold on to a top 10 ranking. Yep. All right. Finish this up. All right. I feel like these three are just hanging out at the, in the cellar (laughs) all together. And all we do is flip flop 12 and 13. So uh, this week I have Purdue, Illinois, Michigan state. Okay. I've got Illinois, Purdue, Michigan state. (laughs) And Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we you know we just flip Illinois and Purdue. Illinois took one uh, from Ohio State this weekend. Very high scoring game, uh, but man, Illinois just—I'm baffled by Illinois. I'll be interested to see first if they make the conference tournament at their home field. Oh, that will be terrible. <laughs> yeah, the 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 Big Ten brass right now—they're pretty big Illini fans because. They they want that home gate and and incidentally it will go on a brief hobby horse here. If if I were running the Big Ten, why is that conference tournament not in Rosemont? It's with it. It's within <laughs> I'm, visible. I'm like speechless because it makes the most sense. Yes, it does. It, I mean, it's it, within vision of the conference offices you know chicago's pretty easy place to get into and out of centrally centrally located in the, the airport conference. literally is right there right and that's a phenomenal facility there 
Um, the Huskers had a chance to play there once. Uh, they were playing Northwestern. Uh, they had a series against Northwestern. Uh, the Wildcats, Sharon J. Drysdale Field was not in good shape, uh, but they have turf at the Bandits Field in Rosemont. And so they played a double header there. And it's a, it's a very good facility. And I think with just a little work, the Big Ten Conference could play its conference tournament there. Uh, and I think it would be a very worthy site. They rotated among the teams, I think, for a variety of reasons. That, that just doesn't do it for me. I mean, uh, of course, my, my background, uh, the earlier years were in the Big 12. And they play it in Oklahoma City. and Every year. Every year. And that's, I think that elevates that tournament. I know the SEC plays its tournament at a home site. Uh, but I, I just think it elevates a conference tournament to play it on a neutral site. And, and I think it would be a good idea for the conference to do that. And the other part is, you know, the conference could invest a little bit in that ballpark and, and put in better media facilities. So that's easier for the conference network to cover the, the tournament because, you know, quite frankly, Illinois facility is not great. It's probably bottom half of the league. And this is where you're putting your conference tournament on TV. So that's my hobby horse. I'm going to hop off for now. Purdue 13, same as it ever was Michigan state 14. Same as it ever was. I started going down the rabbit hole of, I wonder if Rosemont hosts another conference already. I, I feel like the Big Ten is there, but, or the Big East. I see, I, I'm speaking it into existence, right? I, I you know, I, cause I, I thought the same thing. Um, and now you got me looking. Right. So I, I'm like, wait a second. I, I, I think it is, but you're telling me, you know, the Big East with its, you know, the programs that are in the Big East that don't really invest in softball the way they should. I mean, you want to talk about some facility problems. Start start looking at those ballparks. Actually, it's not. It's in Stores, Connecticut. Wow. Yeah, I I think at one time. The, at one time, I think it was. Right. But But the point is, yeah. okay, the ballpark's open. Let's get after it. Let's sign them up. The, Boom. the only thing that's happening now at that ballpark is athletes unlimited. Yeah. And they're not playing that weekend. Right. And, and you know, you can imagine the money, a big 10 tournament in Chicago where you can, where you can book your ticket and mm -hmm. say, okay, I'm going to go watch the best in the big 10 and, and also make a weekend of it and go enjoy Chicago. I think that sells itself. I think that's a marquee event. I don't but, know why it's not already. I wonder if they've already had the conversation. I because I attended when when the Bandits were playing there, mm -hmm. attending the NPF championships at at the ballpark at Rosemont. Um, uh huh. It turned it just turned into an event, right? Right. You've got tailgating in the parking lot. You've got a beer garden. You had uh food trucks you had live bands you had all of the things that made it an event right and not to mention i mean rosemont has so much to offer sure. besides that sports complex right yep. you can i mean there's bars restaurants 
whatever. And then um, there's Chicago. And then there's Chicago. So, <laughs> like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yes, exactly. <laughs> do, do we I, really need to go to Urbana for a weekend where that place might be half full? Right. At least with Chicago, everyone is going to. Everyone's gonna go. You're gonna I, it, pull it could fans be... from all over. At that point, Northwestern's down the road. You know right. they're gonna travel. Right. I mean, Michigan, Detroit to I'm starting Chicago. a petition. There you go. I'm doing it right now. Change.org. There you go. Look <laughs> for it. Look for it on the social medias. We will tweet it out. Uh hopefully by next week we can correct the Big Ten conferences wrong and get the conference tournament moved to Chicago. I'll call the mayor. There you go. The mayor of Rosemont or yeah, Chicago? The mayor of Rosemont. Okay. Listen, I, you know, being in, in the softball space for some time, you start to make some connections. Hey. And uh, I think maybe I'll, I'll, I'll send some texts out <laughs> uh, to some people over in Rosemont, and we're going to make this happen because that just makes sense. I mean, at least, example, SEC. Mm-hmm. Rotating schedule for yeah. the for the conference tournament. Right. One team will not host Ole Miss. Why? Their facilities. Their crummy. facilities. They can only host around a thousand fans. Yeah, that's not enough. No. So therefore, they don't host. Yeah. Now, Big Ten. We're not going to host at a city park. Get out of here. Yeah, and, and they have skipped over some teams, but at the same time you want your showcase event to be at a showcase facility and I'm, right now it's I'm, not i'm doing it right now look i got my phone out yes uh i'm sending text right now why doesn't rosemont host the big 10 tournament there you go that yeah. is that is now the mission of this podcast if we can't play it here in the herd at <laughs> studios <laughs> in in suburban omaha then by god we're going to get it in chicago so all right well we appreciate you listening in to the behind the plate with marin and nate podcast uh we invite you to join us next week we'll review the huskers series with wisconsin of course the big series between northwestern and michigan and set up the huskers gigantic series at northwestern in suburban chicago great place big fan All right. Join us next week. Thanks for listening this week. We'll talk to you later.